Pass First point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in this episode. Today's show, I want to wish happy birthday to a young trailblazer. And then I want to talk about the Blazers coaching search. Not candidates. We've, we've, we've addressed candidates. I want to look at it from the other direction. I want to answer this question. Uh, this is what we'll do for the bulk of the episode today is, is how appealing is the Trailblazers job? Rick Carlisle decided to uh, resign as the Mavericks head coach as the Dallas Mavericks spiral out of control following a report that there was an internal power struggle within the front office that uh, spilled its way into the way they handled the coach. And now after 13 years and an NBA title at the helm, Rick Carlisle is stepping down. That means there are now seven available jobs in the NBA, including the Portland Trailblazers vacancy. Uh, Each job that opens up makes things more complicated, adds to the competition, adds to sort of like where the Blazers rank in total appeal. I don't really think much has changed in terms of like the Blazers' approach to hiring someone. Chauncey Billups is going to still be the guy until he's not. Uh, that, that's going to be the, their pretty obvious number one choice, uh, either until he's the head coach of the team or until someone else is. Uh, and, and we'll see sort of how they move on from there. But uh, I think considering like how appealing the Blazers job is will give us um, kind of some insight into what are the sort of challenges in hiring someone maybe not named Chauncey Billups, right? Like just to sort of like the in general, like the state of the franchise in terms of how appealing coaching this basketball team would be in light of the other openings that are that are available around the league so that's that is mostly what we're going to do in today's episode but before we get there i want to wish a heartfelt happy birthday to charles james elby that is cj elby the blazers rookie wing i guess i almost said guard but then i almost said forward so wing i think that's i think i'm i'm certain that cj elby is is a wing in in the modern nba uh the Lefty rookie out of Washington State, who was drafted in the second round by the Portland Trailblazers last year, with the 16th overall or the 16th pick in the second round, 46th overall pick, celebrated his 21st birthday on June 16th. It's Gemini season for C.J. Ellaby, the pride of Seattle, Washington. I hope C.J. Ellaby got to uh, to celebrate that. I hope he got to celebrate his birthday with the 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 drink that we'd all want on our 21st birthday. That's right, Michelob Ultra. And in honor of his birthday, we're giving out the Michelob Ultra moment. This week's Ultra moment goes to C.J. Ellaby. And if you know C.J. Ellaby's game, you know there's only one moment it could possibly be. It came back on February 4th when the Blazers were playing with just one regular starter at Philadelphia. They started a lineup of Gary Trent Jr., Robert Covington, Rodney Hood, Ennis Cantor, and Carmelo Anthony. They played nine guys and off the bench that included Anthony Simons, Harry Giles, Kelgen Blevins, and yes, none other than C.J. Ellaby. There was no Dame, no C.J., no Yusuf Nurkic. Norman Powell wasn't on the roster yet. And what did the Blazers do? They shocked the world. They shocked the world with a 40-19 fourth quarter to win 121-105 behind 15 points and 7 rebounds from C.J. Ellaby, who played 31 minutes in that game. 
got himself going with a couple offensive rebounds and just absolutely an unexpected moment of happiness in the Blazers season. This was a, a guaranteed loss that CJ Ellaby and co turned into just a true moment of unexpected joy. And Miklov Ultra wants you know it's only worth it if you enjoy it and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. There's more to enjoy. And so I hope CJ Ellaby cracks open a delicious Miklov Ultra on his 21st birthday now that he's able to drink a delicious Michelob Ultra that only has 2.6 carbs and he can have a little bit of enjoyment too. Remember, joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. So happy birthday, CJ Ellaby. All right. So we wish happy birthday to Blazers rookie CJ Ellaby. Still a rookie until he plays the first game of his second season. (laughs) I always feel weird about calling dudes rookies who have already played a year, but according to the way it works in NBA locker rooms, still a rookie until he gets until he gets to game one of year two. Also, just the Blazers don't have draft picks. They're really unlikely to have another rookie uh, for this upcoming season. So CJ Ellaby is going to be a two-year rookie. Poor fella. Poor fella is going to have rookie duties for two years. So, um, you know, I hope he was able to have that moment of joy and enjoyment with uh, with a Michelob Ultra because he's going to still have to, you know, pick up people's coffee and donut orders and uh, wear a goofy child's backpack. But we're not talking about CJ Ellaby all episode long. Uh, we'll do we'll do a CJ Ellaby episode sometime in the future when we finally get to these long-promised uh, season cap. Capsule, capsules of player reviews, but too much news is happening in the NBA. I don't want to ignore the news for um, for season reviews. I want to get there. I want to go through all 15 guys in the roster. I want to look back on what they did last year and look back at what the future holds for them. But um, I also want to use this space to talk about what's happening in the National Basketball Basketball Association because the news impacts the Blazers. Uh, we, will, we will get to the capsules. I know I've promised them a couple times. I'm a, no more timelines on that. I'm not giving you any more timelines because I've, I've, I haven't made good on a couple of them. So... What I want to do here uh, and for the rest of the show is I want to answer the question, how appealing is the Portland Trailblazers job? Like I said, uh, the news today, it's been a whirlwind whirlwind week of news. Stan Van Gundy getting uh, getting fired in, in New Orleans. Uh, Scotty Brooks not coming back in, in Washington. And now uh, amidst a week of turmoil in Dallas, longtime coach Rick Carlisle out. Audi, which leaves us with seven jobs uh, available in the NBA, including the Portland Trailblazers. So I, what I want to do is just I want to I want to go through the jobs in this in the second segment and sort of rank them on uh, desirability is, is is the word I've written down here. I'm not sure that's that's totally what this is a ranking of, but like you know how how good are these jobs? Uh, and I will go through each of them and I'll kind of share my thoughts, and then we will talk about these sort of specific challenges facing the Trailblazers to close out the show. So let's go through them, and we'll go bottom to top, least least desirable to most desirable in that order. At the bottom of my list, and I think it starts off even controversial because I'm not even sure this is the worst job, but it's where I have it. The the this is the the lowest tier. I have the Orlando Magic, and why I say that it might be controversial is because there's not a lot of pressure to win in Orlando. Um, they're truly starting a rebuild. You know, they got rid of Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, they've they've got young parts to build around. Uh, they 
you know, they don't have, they don't have anyone on the roster who you could say like, this dude is good. Uh, Jonathan Isaac was good, but now he's coming off an ACL tear. So we just sort of wait and see. And even then he's pretty limited on the offensive end. Like he's an elite, elite, elite defensive player, uh, probably all, all defense type potential, but um, he, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't quite do it consistently on the offensive end where you could say like, this is a really good two-way player, or even just take out that modifier and say, this is a really good player. He's a good defender is what he is right now. They've got some interesting parts. Um, y'all know that I that um, I think Cole Anthony is an interesting part if you listen to this podcast regularly. Uh, if not, you can just search where he went to college and maybe you'll get some hints. Uh, I think RJ Hampton is a really interesting young player, uh, the, 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 the rookie they acquired in the Aaron Gordon trade, but None of these players are good. Like the, these are these are interesting pieces. Muhammad Bamba is an interesting piece of sorts. Uh, Markel Fultz, when he's healthy, is an interesting piece of sorts and remains to be seen. Uh, his health um, and and he could be a good player. Like he just you know, with the health and inconsistency and sort of lack of outside shooting, he's he's an interesting fellow as well. So like I just don't. I don't think the roster is good. <laughs> I think that's the easiest way to say it. I think that I think the Magic got a bad roster, and I think that they've been in the woods for so long that the idea that they'll like put together and find a good roster seems um, it seems challenging. You know, bad teams stay bad. It's kind of how the league works. But in terms of coaching, there's no pressure to win. Um, I think that's desirable. You can you'll have you know you'll probably get to play out your contract. You sign like a four or five year contract. You probably get to play that out without a ton of pressure until the back half of that, until probably at least three years of kind of of if you can make steady progress progress with the team you can get there um you know they don't the magic don't have much incentive to be good right away they've been bad for so long they might as well do it right this time and 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 not even bad they were you know low level playoff team a couple seasons with steve clifford um it's just like being that level of good is like you know being the eighth seed in in the playoffs is one of the toughest places to be so they're starting this like rebuild in earnest and i think it's the worst job just because of the roster uh, the next tier of teams, uh, I don't really have a good ranking here, and, and this is where I find the Blazers, and we'll talk more about them in the uh, in in the third segment to close out the show. But in this in this third tier of rankings, I have the Indiana Pacers, the Washington Wizards, and the Portland Trailblazers. I have this tier in my notes labeled as the solid tier. Like these are solid teams. Uh, if Indiana is healthy, they're they have a good roster, like at least like a playoff team in the East type of roster. Uh, they're pretty far away from a championship. Right, they're they're not um, they're not a uh, championship competing team, but Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert and T.J. Warren and uh, Jeremy Lamb, and depending on what they do with the two big guys in in Miles Turner and Demontis Sabonis, like that's those are players. They, those are players. That's like T.J. McConnell turned into a really good player this year, like kind of um, you know really sort of useful contributor off the bench. Like they have seven like quality rotation dudes in the league they're all kind of b's and then like a maybe like a A minus and demontis sabonis but like you can do worse than than six b's and an a minus um it's that's that's like the that's something to build off of like i think this is an appealing a relatively appealing job just because of like sort of how solid they are in the east i think that um i think there's some value there um, they're, like I said, they're not, they're not super close. And I don't think there's this, t- there's a ton of pressure to win, but if you were bad, like this should be a playoff team. If you were bad, you, you're not going to last long. Although I do think firing Nate Bjorkren really recently, um, and now, you know, going through these coaching changes, they are going to give the next coach a little bit more runway to figure it out. They're going to try to get this higher right and not, you know, fire, a, fire a coach for a second con- or a third consecutive offseason move on from a coach. Um, so there is, you do have a probably a little more wiggle room there in terms of patience uh in indiana than maybe um 
a certain job in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we'll go Wizards next. This is not that appealing of a job to me. Um, I almost knocked this down to my least appealing job. Um, it's unclear what the future of Bradley Beal is. You know, he's entering the final year of his deal and then can it'll it'll be whatever's next for Brad Beal. Um, he's been pretty clear that he wants to stay, but I think it was, if you're just sort of reading between the lines, it's like, I want to play out this contract and then I'll figure out what's next. Um, there's value in loyalty and he's a really good basketball player. Uh, the Wizards were good the last half of the season. Like they were just like, they profiled as like just like a legitimately good team. The problem was they were like horrific to begin the year. Um, I think you can kind of channel something with the talent of of, of Russell Westbrook and Brad Beal. And if Davis Bertans looks like kind of the <laughs> like three quarters mark of the season, Davis Bertans, um, and not the guy who started the season. Rui Hachimura is is like a good basketball player. Uh, the rookie Denny Avia, like I I don't know, he has some skills, but he's not very good. Uh, I think they found some stuff with uh, Daniel Gafford, who they're quiet at the trade deadline. Like they've got some, they've got some stuff to be a playoff team again in the East. Um, it's it's a weird situation because your two best players are thirty, you know, twenty nine and thirty two, um, and Russell Westbrook is uh, it's it you know how much how good how long can he be this good? Like he kind of um, tapped back in to be really special at the end of the year. But you, this is a team that is headed for big changes in the near future so i don't rate like what whatever that looks like just be, by virtue of 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 beal and 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 westbrook's contract situations and and westbrook's age like they're headed for big change in the future i don't think that's super appealing uh the blazers job and we'll talk in detail here to close out the show but the problem is that they really want to win a championship and there is certainly pressure to do that. And the GM just kind of survived the first round of firing and, and blamed the coach. And you'd think if they fail again, the GM won't survive the second round of firing. And if you got hired by the previous GM and the team is bringing in a new front office executive, can a coach stick around? Like that's that's a challenge. But we'll dive a little deeper on the, on the Blazers in a second. But they, that's where the Blazers are. They're in my solid team. Tier, um, tier three. In tier 2.5, I've got one team. It's New Orleans Pelicans. I want to say that, that some people think this is the best job in the NBA, and I just don't agree. According to The Athletic, we're back at The Athletic, who's just, um, you know, invaluable reporting um, and certainly a lot of shit stirring this week over at The Athletic. And if, listen, if you got if you got the information, it's okay to stir the pot. That's how reporting works. But um, certainly uh, um, some reporting that has, has shaken up some franchises, not first the Mavs and maybe next the Pelicans. According to a report from The Athletic today, basically Zion's family doesn't want him in New Orleans and maybe never did from the moment he got there. And there's already been some uh, strife between Zion and Stan Van Gundy, hence Van Gundy's exit and Van Gundy and the, uh, and the uh, front office. Now it seems like Zion's camp, which um, may include his, you know, his father and his stepfather and among others uh, just, you know, never wanted him in, in New Orleans and see some sort of um, they're impatient with the organization and are as eyeing an exit, um, which is bad news. Uh, like it's bad news for the league if um, a generational talent gets drafted to uh, a smaller market and then immediately starts figuring out his exit strategy upon arrival. Uh, it's unclear from the reporting whether Zion feels this way. I think Zion feels impatient. He thought this team was going to be good they weren't very good this year he's mad that they weren't good every player gets mad when they lose that is normal but does every player sort of like plot an exit when they lose um 
Obviously, there's like bad bad juju there with the way that Anthony Davis left left New Orleans. It's all um, this is this is just bad news for the Pelicans. That's why I don't. I think like that sort of instability is why I don't rank this near the top. I know other people do because like Zion Williamson's like. I, I mean, I do rank this towards the top. I rank it as the third best job out there. But like, it's not in my absolute top tier because I just think. Um, I think there's just some instability. I don't think like what what is the future of this franchise? I I I'm not sure. I totally trust David Griffin in the front office. Um, I, I I just think I think you might be stepping into a situation where you really really got to prove you're good right away, or you're going to lose Zion. And if you're and if you get blamed for that, like it's you know, or you might end up getting blamed for that. Like you might not. It wouldn't be totally your fault. It wouldn't be fair, but the clock's ticking like the clock's ticking on on that situation so i don't think it's i don't think it's super appealing for the reasons that maybe the the same same sort of pressure with the portland job like it's 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 maybe a little bit too much so uh while the chance to coach zion who like tops out as you know his ceiling is like best player in the nba that's pretty appealing um you you would have to get it all you'd have to figure it out really quickly and i think that makes the job less appealing less desirable uh in the second spot, uh, this is in my Phenom tier. Uh, the Pels were also in my Phenom tier. They're in my Phenom tier 2.5. But in, in tier two, we've got the Mavericks job. Uh, the Mavs are not like super close to contending, right? Like they're not, um, this is a championship level roster. They got to figure out what the hell they're, they're going to do with Chris Tapps Porzingis. Are they going to try to get him right? Are they going to, um, are they going to trade him just to trade him? Are they going to figure out how to like sort of make him into their third best player, right? Like, are they going to figure out the cap space and get a, get a max, max cap slot and make a big trade and et cetera, et cetera. Like, are they going to swing for the fences? It seems like something Cuban would do, but he's been having, he's had consistent trouble kind of attracting that other top tier star other than via trade and like free agency. He hasn't attracted stars is what I'm trying to say about um, Cuban and the Mavericks. But you have Luka Doncic, who, according to the uh, Athletic, still, despite all this turmoil, is going to sign a five-year Supermax. Um, He's a two-time first-team All-NBA performer in his first three years in the league. If Zion's ceiling is, uh, you know, best player in the NBA, Luka's ceiling is also best player in the NBA, and he's already closer than Zion is. He's an offense unto himself. He's... Um, you know, he has physical limitations that make him not a great defender, but he's also six, seven. If you're going to be bad on defense, being that big is really helpful. Um, he's like, he's just really, really good. And you're talking one of the, already one of the best players in the league with a path to become the best player in the league to be, to, he's a generational talent who can be the best player in the league for several seasons and a chance to coach him. You can't pass up Dallas is a, you know, at least a big market that it in theory can attract, um, <laughs> people even though if they haven't um i wouldn't i would i would want to rank this as the best job but the mavericks just had to to kind of break apart their front office and fire their longtime coach like there's real turmoil there um this is still a super appealing job um undeniable which leaves us with with what i think is the most appealing job on the market and that is the boston celtics gig um, legacy franchise, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. I think Kemba Walker can be good again. I know that he had a lost season to an injury and he looks a little washed, I believe is the term that we use for, for someone who looks like he did this season. But I like I think he can get right. Like I think he can get healthy in time and get back to something, um, you know, maybe not what he was in Charlotte when he was sort of like Damian Lillard light, but uh, 
he can be really I think he can be really good again um, and that core while you don't have all this like crazy flexibility around that core like that's th- the Jalen Brown Jason Tatum like you can win a championship with those as your two best players like I don't think that that's that crazy and and that also it's in the Eastern Conference easier to get to the easier path to get to the playoffs easier path to probably get to the NBA finals there's just less good teams in the way it's less um, less challenging in the playoffs with all due respect to the Hawks go Hawks I hope they make the finals uh, the Celtics job is just for so many different reasons I think the most appealing gig um, it's the job if they were giving it to your boy, pass for his point guard, that's the job I would take, even though I wouldn't I wouldn't want to work for the Celtics. Uh but still, like this is that's a really good team. Um, you know, you've got guys under contract. Uh there's obviously pressure to win, but even this year in sort of like a lost season, they were um they were okay. Like they're a playoff level team, and I think uh, you know, they've they've made like three Eastern Conference finals with this group, like they can get back there. I think it's not, it's not an exaggeration to get back there. And like Jason Tatum is like the type of talent that um, this is why you stockpile draft picks and do all the things that Danny Age did to the front office is like a chance to draft a player and keep a player and sign a player as talented as Jason Tatum. He's just really freaking good. So those are my desirability tiers, Boston, Dallas, New Orleans, and then a pack together, Indiana, Washington, Portland, and then finally the magic Let's zero in on why I don't think the Blazers job is maybe as desirable as other places. I've I, admittedly, I've changed my tune a little bit on this over the last week. Uh, so I, I want to explain sort of how thinking about this more in the bigger picture has convinced me that maybe the Blazers job isn't as appealing as I once thought it was. And I once thought it was like on Sunday, uh, you know, like five days ago, four days ago. Uh, so that's what we'll do in the third segment. We will answer the question, how desirable is the Blazers job and and what are the factors that impact that? But before we get there, let's talk about rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Uh, you can save time and money when you're using rockauto.com. Uh, you don't have to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Uh, for example, a Honda, a Honda Odyssey. Uh, a, you drive a minivan, you're driving the family around, you're looking for a new fuel pump. At a chain store, that's going to cost you $353. And at rockauto.com, right now on their website, 216 bucks. It's a family business and they serve the do-it-yourselfers. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer, you want to go to rockauto.com because they got reliably low prices for every type of customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website, find the solution for your auto part needs. And while you're there, while you're on rockauto.com, seeing all the parts available for your car or truck, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You want to bet on where all these coaches land, who 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 lands where? Well, guess what? Bet Online has odds for every available coaching gig. Chauncey Billups remains the leader in the clubhouse for the Blazers spot. As more jobs open up, these uh, these odds change in real time because that's what they're doing at Bet Online. If you don't want to bet on NBA coaching um, futures, NBA coaching gigs, you can also bet on the games. That's NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB's regular season, uh, the MLS, the NWLS, the WNBA's regular season, UFC and MMA, you name it, they got it. So go on over to that website, betonline.ag. And when you're making your first deposit, make sure you put in the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That is 
Promo code locked on when you're making your first deposit for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. We wished happy birthday to CJ Ellaby. We ranked the available job openings in the NBA. Now I want to zero in on kind of why. I don't want to say soured, but why my opinion has changed a little bit about the Blazers' job opening. Um, it's still a pretty good gig. You get to coach one of the 10 best players in the league. Uh, the problem is one of the 10 best players in the league, Damian Lillard, is, I don't want to, I don't know if disgruntled, but for the first time there is uncertainty about his future with the Blazers. Uh, not because he's publicly said anything, but he is, he's just, he's clearly frustrated. Um, and there are enough reports and whispers and all those things, uh, whispers that have even made to my ears here, uh, that, that there's, there are people around the league that think Damian Lillard, um, if things don't get fixed in Portland in the near term, he could reconsider his long-term stance to be deeply loyal to a franchise. If they can't deliver him or get him closer to where he wants to be, if they can't get, you know, if they're if they're comfortable with being pretty good, which they've been pretty good for a long time, there's reason to believe he will be that will make him uncomfortable. So why would the Blazers job, you know, beyond beyond sort of the obvious, like let's let's sort of zero zero in on the deep, deeper details of why the Blazers job is less desirable uh, or why and maybe why have I, I've changed my mind. One, I think it's because I was thinking about it from the other perspective. And that was like, if you hire me to coach the Blazers, I'm not. And this was asked by uh, this is a question actually on a mailbag from uh, Ryan, the uh, one of the hosts of uh, Blazer Tag, uh, the Blazers podcast. And uh, Ryan asked, like, does is the job less desirable because of the uncertainty in the front office and all the turmoil? And I said, you know, it it is like that's that's a really good question. But my like thinking at the time was like, no coach is coming in planning to lose. No one is you know coming into a new job or coming into a new place of work and being like, I'm going to screw this up and lose my job. Um, so you know, like if you're hiring someone, their 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 plan is to win and um, not have Neil Olshay get fired and to continue all those things. And so my reasoning was like, it doesn't make it less desirable to sort of interview because no one is interviewing like the okay, well I'm going to screw up day one. They're saying like I'm ready to hit the ground running. I can win like this. And I think for like for the most part, if you're hiring, um, you know, proven proven entity like a say a Mike D'Antoni uh that's that's like a reasonable approach also Mike D'Antoni probably doesn't want to coach for the next like 10 years in the NBA dude's in his 70s probably wants like you know two three more seasons uh crack at it one more crack at it with a good team um but I think there is real pressure to win right away because like I said uh, early in the show like Neil Olshay didn't get fired in this sort of re-round of uh, this first round of restructuring the the franchise, right? Like Neil has his job and his job is to fix this and get it right. But if he doesn't and the team kind of sputters and, and Dame's frustrated and all these things, the next thing that happens is Neil gets fired, right? Like that's that's the next domino to fall. And then and then likely Dame gets traded and all these things. And we, we enter like a truly, truly new era Um of, of Portland Trailblazers basketball. So there's real, real, real pressure to win. There's real pressure to win because Damian Lillard has, has, has all but stated, if we don't win, I'm out. Um, and it might not be, I'm out, but if we don't win, I will consider being out for the first time. I think that's, that is a real, there's real pressure to win right away. The other problem is that Damian Lillard has gone on the record and said there's two names that he wants. And that is very, very rare. I'm not sure that I, 
um, can think of a, and, and I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, like a situation, I believe it's unprecedented in my mind, where someone who's not an already on the roster, who's not already an interim head coach, has been endorsed by a player after a job opening. Um, usually, you know, like, Someone gets fired midseason, the interim guy's there. Players will say, you know, we really liked playing for interim coach Bobby. Um, you know, Bobby Bobby was awesome that you should keep Bobby. Teams don't always do that, but that's um, that's not that uncommon, right? Like that's 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 within the realm. Dame did something else. He said, these are the two names I want and their assistants that are actively coaching in the league. And he went on the record and put his name on it. This was not sources indicate Damian Lillard is interested in Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd. This was Damian Lillard telling the the athletic, telling Shamstrani and Jason Quick. Chauncey and Jason Kidd are my top two choices. Those are the two names I want. Jason Kidd was not seemingly not on the Blazers brass shortlist. And then within 36 hours withdrew his name. That means there is one name on the list that is like publicly approved by Damian Lillard. Obviously there could be more, but like in sort of publicly endorsed by the superstar um, before he's withdrawn himself from that conversation, which probably should have always done um, just in terms of messiness. Uh, but you know, hey, I support everyone the, you know speaking their opinion. But in like, if you're <laughs> if you want less drama, um, that's the the way to go is to say nothing um, and get, do your talking behind the scenes. But anyone else who's not Chauncey Billups is now the other choice. Like he's a choice that isn't da- Damian Lillard. So I think for for the for Chauncey Billups specifically, I think this job is appealing. It's the front office wants you, the star wants you, and you have a chance to kind of put your imprint on it. And if the star were to stay and Neil were to go, you've already got Damian Lord's endorsement, and that might give you some job security beyond uh, change in the front office. Although pr- typically in the NBA, when you hire someone in the front office, they hire a new coach. Like that is, they you know, they get to put their full imprint on it. So it wouldn't make you Teflon, but it would give you, you know, if you have Dame's endorsement and Dame says, I'll stay if Chauncey stays you're you you then you get to put on that Kevlar vest you are you are bulletproof all of a sudden uh Dame will call the shots he is the best player on the team he's the most important part of the franchise period if he leaves the franchise heads into the desert so if you're Chauncey Billups this is still an appealing job right like this is still this is still this is you're you are wanted by multiple parties um this you know the team's pretty good <laughs> they have one of the 10 best players in the league uh 10 best players in the world they're you know this is this is like i said like i would bump without the sort of pressure to win and the uncertainty around both dame and the front office i would bump this up pr- probably right with the pels job if not right if not maybe above it um because like you just you just there just aren't many dudes who are as good as basketball as Damian Lillard, and um, you can you can figure it out with that kind of talent. Uh, I don't think the Blazers are particularly close to being a championship level team, but um, step one in the recipe is get someone as good as Dame. <laughs> uh, step two and three uh, significantly more difficult. Step four is profit, obviously. So I, I think I think all that said, like I think the uncertainty with with what's next with. Neil Olshay in the front office. I think the uncertainty with what's going on with Damian Lillard and the absolute pressure to be, you know, not just pretty good. Like if the Blazers make the playoffs and lose in the first round again, that's unacceptable. Um, if they get flamed out of the second round, that probably looks bad. That looks like a failure depending on sort of who they meet and all the other sort of extenuating circumstances around it. But like you need to make the Western Conference Finals in year one of your first coaching job uh, or, you know, first first 
chance coaching this team uh, first year on the first year at, at the helm uh, it could be any veteran any number of veteran coaches who've done it before there is plenty of precedent for first year coaches being very very successful in the NBA I'm not under the impression that that matters talent is the most is the mitigating factor always in the league um, the reason Nick Nurse was so successful is because they gave him Kawhi Leonard and eight of the best 30 defensive players in the universe um, that really helped uh, Nick Nurse is a good coach and he was a championship coach when he had a championship roster kind of the same with Steve Kerr like obviously a very good coach and when they gave him a championship roster he turned that team into a juggernaut it's both like it takes it takes both for sure um Ty Lue you know his first year he's obviously a good coach now with look what he's, he's doing with the shorthanded Clippers like but when he was given LeBron James and a championship roster, again, like pretty successful. The, the thing that you need is talent. Um, you, coaching matters, makes a huge difference. Uh, I don't want to poo-poo that, but I think like something like 55 or 60% of the formula is like how good the roster is. It might even be more than that. It's a lot. Like it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, the, the difference in like championship and not is the roster. The difference in like a coach can take a team from mediocre to good like that's that's an easy step but from like good to championship i think that relies mostly on the talent at uh at, at the highest levels of the game because you play seven game series and it's hard to fake the funk so i think a first year coach could win here in portland but i don't think because there's plenty of evidence that it's happened in the past like i'm not um and you know with with a, a, a change in tactics with a, a you know a, a smarter defensive uh concept that everyone bought into and a little more ball movement and player movement on offense you think you could just sort of like open up what this team does and make them better right away i think that's that seems easy but there isn't pressure to like be more aesthetically pleasing and slightly more effective. The pressure is to win and win a whole bunch of games and probably make the western conference finals and be competitive once you get there that makes the Blazers job maybe less appealing. And I think I'm, uh, I think Ryan's from Blazer tags point that um, Ryan asked two weeks ago right away is, is super, super smart. I've come around to agree with, with the line of thinking. Um, I don't, I think I was lodging it, logicking it out from the other direction. And now that I think about it from, from, you know, the other side from 180 degree different. Um, I totally agree. I think, I think the Blazers job is, um, I think it's challenging and not super appealing, but, uh, the number one candidate they have, it's still appealing to him. <laughs> so I don't think it, like nothing has changed in terms of like who the Blazers are after and what candidates they'll interview. You know, they've interviewed Dan Tony, they've interviewed uh, Becky Hammond, they've interviewed Chauncey Billups, according to multiple media reports. So they're still, they're still cruising along in the way we thought we'd cruise along. But I wanted to look at this from the sort of the other side, um, not who they might be after, but if you are one of the people they're after, what other jobs, what other things might appeal to you? And I hope that this episode kind of allowed you to see all the other options. Uh, the Blazers are one of the good jobs. They're just not the best of the best. There are at least three other jobs in my mind that are like just straight up more appealing. And you could make a compelling case to me that Indiana is more uh, appealing. I would be hard pressed to say the Wizards is a better job, but there's certainly a lot less pressure. Um, there's more maybe like uncertainty or whatever, but I think there's just less, like you don't need to be really good right away. You could be mediocre, um, and probably keep your job with the wizards. And if you're mediocre in Portland, you're, you are going to have a very short tenure as, as the head coach of the Portland trailblazers. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed this program, this podcast, tell your friends about it. That's the best way, like the best way to share this and to um, help me grow the show is is for you to say, "Hey, Blazer fan friend, 
I like this podcast about the Blazers. It comes out every day of the week and it's available wherever you get podcasts. It's called Locked on Blazers. Check it out. That helps. That is that is the most helpful thing you could do. So if you find it in your heart to, to tell a fellow Blazer fan about a podcast that you enjoy, that would help me and I would appreciate it. Regardless, I appreciate you listening and I'll talk to you soon.